Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Thank you, Tim. How are we all this morning? Good. You ready to pray for miracles this morning? I'm going to ask again, you ready to pray for miracles this morning? We're going to pray for miracles uh, today. I just believe God you know, wants to do something miraculous uh, in this place. So I want to ask you a question this morning. When is the last time that you were truly astonished? When was the last time you just, uh, you know, you looked at something or someone and you're just completely astonished? You know, just in the last week, I've been astonished at a few people who have served faithfully in this church for many, many years, and I just want to honour them uh, briefly this morning. Firstly, uh, Pastor Paul Kavanagh down the front here is about to retire, let's just wait, is about to retire in, uh, in two weeks' time and uh, journey around Australia with his uh, lovely wife, uh, Anita. But Paul has uh, been on our pastoral team for... For 19 years, served faithfully as administrator, executive pastor, men's pastor, and in whatever role that he was in, he's always done it with a lot of fun, as you've seen up on the screen, uh, in, with incredible faithfulness, just always going above and beyond to serve Jesus, always making it not about him, but all about Jesus. And this is the really astonishing bit, is that some of you know Kaz's story, and he grew up uh, without ever knowing his own dad. And yet he's actually captured the father heart of God. And he's fathered hundreds of men in the faith over the last two decades. And uh, just helped blokes become better dads, better husbands, better men, reflecting the love and the grace of Christ to people around them. That's astonishing. Put your hands together. Just honour for Christ. You're all going to have a chance to celebrate his retirement a bit more next week, but I won't be here. I'll be preaching down at Ormo, so I just wanted to uh, get in a little bit early. Uh, I want to honour one other person who served God faithfully here for many, many years. Actually, our oldest gateway member. This is a photo of him when he was a young uh, boy uh, growing up. And uh, just flick to uh, the next photo, handsome young man. This is him at Sunday school at, uh, in 1942 at Tollum Park Baptist Church. Glyn Bensley turned 95 on... Uh, hang on, we're going to have a chance to rapturous applause in a minute. Glyn turned 95 on Wednesday, but he was telling me last Sunday that he actually started coming to Gateway, then Holland Park Baptist Church, at 12 years of age in 1938. And then he went, as you saw, Sunday school photos. Then he went and actually served uh, our nation in the Navy and uh, came back and married the love of his life, Jean. And they raised their family uh, in, uh, in this church uh, throughout all that time, throughout uh, the decades. Their kids grew up here, grandkids, and now great uh, grandkids. And uh, Glenn has served Jesus in that place 
throughout, in this place, throughout the decades. He was Sunday school teacher, Sunday school superintendent, treasurer. He was a deacon. Uh, in his later years, he was on a building team, putting this building together and blessing churches around the state, helping uh, on building teams. And he's still cheering us on and praying uh, for everyone and encouraging us today. And we just want to say a big happy birthday, Glenn. Where are you, Glenn? Can I get you to stand up wherever you are? I know you're here. Here he is up the back. Put your hands together and just honour. Stand. I think we need to sing happy birthday. Scotty, can you help us? Come on, let's just lift our voices. Happy birthday to Glenn today. Everybody. Bless you, Glenn. A few of us are taking him out for lunch on Tuesday just to, uh, to celebrate turning 95 and just to thank you, Glenn, for the many, many years you've put in uh, to serving Jesus in this place. Astonishing. 1938, Glenn arrived here. A lot has changed since 1938. When, when Glenn was a young man and he wanted to listen to the latest playlist, he would download it onto this. You know, when his, uh, when his sister wanted to take a selfie, it took a little bit longer back in the day. It actually took five minutes to take a selfie on uh, one of these things. You know, when the whole family wanted to watch TV, everybody had to get involved in making TV happen. You know, when he wanted to send a letter or a text, sorry, to the love of his life, somebody had to actually, another man had to deliver it uh, to her door. When he wanted to race around the neighbourhood on his pea plates, he had to jump <laughs> in a horse and cart. And when he felt like a little bit of fried chicken for lunch after church, he first had to go home and kill the chicken. <laughs> a lot's changed. A lot's changed since 1938. But my grandmother's favourite verse was Hebrews 13 verse 8, which says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Do we believe that today? Do we believe that Jesus, the same Jesus we read about in this book that we're about to look at, is the same Jesus today, who has power and authority to do miracles today? Do we believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Can I hear a little amen this morning? You know, as we read through the, the Gospels, we see time and time again that people are astonished by Jesus. People are astonished by Jesus. It's the word thamazo. If you've got a new New Testament, it'll actually use the word amazed. If you've got an older version of, sorry, if you've got a newer NIV, it'll use the word amazed. If you've got an older NIV, it'll use the word astonished. If you've got a new King James, it'll use the word marveled. But it's one word in the Greek. It's the word thamazo. And I'm going to use the word astonished today just because I like the word. It's my favourite of the three. 
But throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus is regularly, people are regularly astonished by what Jesus does. So Jesus goes up on a mountain, preaches a sermon on the mount, greatest sermon that's ever been preached. The truths that he spoke in that day, you know, began to change not just the culture he was in, but it's changed our world. Jesus was teaching things that had never been heard before, but it's, it's changed the way that we think about the value of life. We think about forgiveness. We think about money. We, we, we think about you know, one another. We think about God. And at the end of this sermon, it says that all of the people were astonished because they had never heard anybody teach with this kind of authority. They'd never heard teaching like this. They're all astonished. And then he, he walks down off the mountain, goes out, you know, on a, uh, on a boat with his disciples and the wind and the waves come up and they're scared they're going to die. And so Jesus, who's asleep at the front of the boat, they, they wake him up and Jesus simply speaks to the wind and to the waves and says, be still. And they stop. The wind stops. The waves stop. And all of the disciples look at each other and go, who is this man, they're astonished that even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this man? And people start to hear about Jesus. They start to hear about the miracles that he's doing. And one time they're in Simon's house and so many people are gathered there because they want a miracle that uh, four mates who are, who are carrying their friend to Jesus to be healed, who's never walked, they're carrying him on a mat because his legs have never worked, and they get there and they dig a hole in Simon's roof. The story never tells us how Simon feels about that, but uh, they dig a hole in his roof and they so so absolutely desperate for a miracle, they lower him down on four ropes and Jesus says to him, son, your sins are forgiven, get up, pick up your mat, and walk out the door. And this man who got lowered in on a mat by ropes because his legs had never worked actually stands up and walks out the door. And everybody in the room looks at each other and they are, say it with me, they are, they're astonished. We've never seen anything like this. Who is this guy? This incredible power and authority he starts to walk around, you know, Capernaum and he heals two guys that are blind and one guy that can't speak. And all of them, including the guy who's never spoken, actually look at one another and say, Who is this man? We've never seen anything like this. And they're absolutely astonished at his power. The crowd was astonished. And they said, who is this guy? We read through the Gospels and we see people are constantly thamazoed. They're constantly astonished by Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm constantly astonished by Jesus. I haven't been following Jesus for as long as Glyn, but I've been following Jesus for a little while now and I'm still constantly astonished by Jesus. You know, I'm... I'm astonished that he who fashioned the world with his hands would actually come to earth and clothe himself in human flesh and become one of us. That's astonishing. God became one of us. 
I find it astonishing that he who cast the stars into orbit would actually enter into our orbit because he cares for us and he would cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. That is astonishing. I find it astonishing that he who knew no sin would become sin for us so that we could become right with God. Come on, people. That is astonishing. Jesus is astonishing. I'm constantly astonished by Jesus. But you know, only twice in the Gospels, Jesus is thamazoed. Jesus is astonished by other people. Just twice. The first time's in Matthew chapter 8. So if you've got your Bible, open it to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. This is what it says. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, this little background before I read more on the centurion. Firstly, the centurion was uh, was an officer of the law in the Roman army. He had a hundred soldiers under him. He was a man with power and authority in the region of Capernaum. He was a law enforcer. It was his job to enforce the law, to to make sure that the peace of Rome was not disturbed. You know, he was a peacekeeper. He made sure that no troublemakers came into his region and tried to overthrow the power of Rome. You only had to look at this guy and see that he had power and authority. He had a different tunic compared to all of the other soldiers. He had a short stick to whack people with, a pretty cool spear, and then he had a funny-looking broom on his head. But nobody told him he had a funny-looking... It would be a handy hat to have in, in magpie season, wouldn't it? You know, you're riding down the road, and magpie, you know, wouldn't attack you if you had that hat on. Last spring, in the space of a week, I got attacked three times. I was riding my bike one day, and I got attacked by a magpie because I didn't have a cool hat like that, and I didn't have a a short stick or a spear to get rid of that magpie. The next day, I was running, and an elderly couple were uh, getting attacked by a plover, or their dog was getting attacked by a plover, and they were panicking, and they didn't know what to do. Once again, I didn't have a stick and I didn't have a spear. I'm just waving my hat around stupidly, trying to get the plover to go away. A few days later, I'm swimming in the local pool and I, I'm getting you know, up to the end of finishing a lap and I just feel this whack on the back of my head. And I think someone's just dived in at the wrong time and mistied their dive and got me in the back of my head. But I looked around and there's nobody there. And so I swam back and back to the other end again. I, just to the same spot as I'm coming up to, to the wall, I just feel this whack on the back of my, back of my head. And I look out there, someone's done it again. They, they've jumped in and they've kicked me on the back of my head. This time I look around and I see a mother duck sitting there, you know, like that with a beak open. Every time I got to one end of the pool, she was just dying bombing me. I tell you, I really wish I had a centurion spear and a stick. I would have used it on that dark. This guy, he had power and he had authority. 
He wore a tunic that nobody else wore. He had a stick and a spear that nobody else had. And when people in Capernaum saw him, they did what he said. Today, it'd be like someone in a blue uniform, you know, with a badge and a gun. They turn up, they've got power and authority. We do what they say. This is a guy who had connections. I mean, this guy could walk into Caesar's office. He got Caesar's ear. That's the kind of connections he had. This guy was wealthy. He got paid as a centurion 100 times more than the soldiers under him. I really like that pay structure at Gateway. But he got paid 100 times more than, than the soldiers that were under him. And he's a good bloke. He loved the people of Israel. He was well-loved. He, he built their synagogue for them when he didn't have to. And he's got a servant with all, with all of his power, with all of his wealth, with all of his connections. His servant whom he loved is at home dying. As a centurion, you weren't allowed to have your own family. And so this servant's obviously become like family to him. With all of his power and all of his wealth and all of his connections, he can't find anybody to heal his servant. And he hears about this bloke named Jesus. And Jesus had come walking down off the mountain after preaching his sermon. And he's got no fancy clothes. He's, got, he's, he's dressed like a peasant. He's a carpenter. He's got no worldly connections. He's got no political power. He's got no worldly wealth. But this centurion had heard that he was doing some miracles. He'd heard that he had power to heal. And so this man with all power and wealth and connections and authority comes and to the feet of Jesus, dressed as a peasant, and says, would you come and heal my servant? And Jesus says, of course, show me the way. And this centurion is so humble. He says, I don't actually deserve to have you come under my roof, but you just give the word from where you're standing right now and it will be done. I know how authority works. Listen to Jesus' response. When Jesus heard this, he was, say it with me, he was astonished. And he said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. You need to understand, this had never been done before. Never had Jesus healed a Gentile before at this point in history. And never had Jesus healed from a distance before. He'd healed by touching people, rubbing mud in people's eyes. He'd healed by speaking a word of faith over them. But he'd never healed a Gentile and he'd never healed from a distance before. But this centurion has faith that Jesus can do what nobody has ever seen before. And Jesus, the one who cast stars into space, the one who spoke a word and said, let there be light, the one who spoke a word and the seas calmed down. You know, Jesus, you know, the one who could heal the sick and the blind and the mute. Jesus, when he sees this man's great faith, is absolutely gobsmacked, astonished, thamazoed. I've never seen faith like this. See, astonishing faith 
is when you believe that God can do what you've never seen before. That's astonishing faith. When you believe that God can do what you've never seen before. One other time in the Gospels, Jesus is astonished. It's in Mark uh, chapter 6, and Jesus is in Nazareth in his hometown. He's beginning to teach in the synagogue there, and people are listening to this wisdom that's coming out of his mouth. And this is what they say in, uh, in verse 3. It says, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And listen to this, they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Well, I'd be happy with that. But Jesus wasn't. Listen to this, verse 6. He was astonished at their lack of faith. It's the only two times in the Gospels that Jesus is the Mazot, that Jesus is astonished. He's astonished at the great faith of the centurion, and he's astonished by the lack of faith in the people in his hometown. And because of that, it doesn't say he would not, it says he could not do many miracles there. I don't fully understand that. But, but our faith in some way limits the move of God in any given place at any given time. He responds to the faith that's in our hearts. He doesn't force himself upon people. He's looking for people of faith. The centurion recognized Jesus as a man with authority. The people of Nazareth just saw him as Joseph and Mary's boy. The centurion humbled himself and asked for help. The, the Nazarenes were actually offended that a carpenter would want to help them. He'd want to minister to them. The centurion knew that he wasn't worthy to come, have Jesus come under his, his roof. The Nazarenes had no respect for Jesus and they would not honour him. They didn't even want him to hang around in their town. And Jesus is so astonished at their lack of faith, he couldn't do many miracles there. Sometimes when we read these stories, we forget about the other people unnamed that are involved. So in the case of the centurion, there's a servant who got healed. Because of the centurion's great faith that Jesus is astonished at, there's a servant that gets healed. In Nazareth, there's a bunch of people who missed out because of their lack of faith. You see, our faith actually impacts the lives of people in our community. When we have great faith like the centurion, people get saved, people get healed, people get their lives transformed. When we have a lack of faith like the people of Nazareth, the city misses out. People miss out on what Jesus has to offer them. Two times in the Gospels, Jesus is astonished by great faith and by a lack of faith. I don't know about you, but I'd like Jesus to be astonished by my great faith. 
Can I hear an amen? Anybody else here say, if Jesus is going to be astonished at something, I want him to be astonished at my great faith, not my lack of faith. If you're online, just type in the chat, I want Jesus to be astonished at my great faith. I want astonishing faith. Can I hear an amen here in the room today? That's what I want. I want people to get blessed because of my astonishing faith. Can I I just bring it down to earth a little bit for us? Sometimes astonishing faith means just doing simple acts of obedience. It's just doing the simple thing that God's given us the opportunity to do. Let, let me go back to, uh, to Glyn again this morning. Just uh, that, that photo of Glyn in uh, Sunday school. This is before kids take over. You went on Sunday school picnics with guys with funny hats. Not quite as funny as the centurion, but that's Sunday school picnic. I was talking to, to Glyn at the end of the service last Sunday, and he said, I'm not really sure how we ended up at Holland Park Baptist when we moved to Brisbane from Stanthorpe. We'd never been to a Baptist church before. I think it was Mrs. Flood and Mrs. Crook from down the road who invited mum and us kids to come to church and Sunday school. Well, because of Mrs. Flood and Mrs. Crook in 1938, simply giving an invitation for someone to come to church, not only has Glyn served his whole life in this church, but Glyn's brother Rod, you know, served Jesus around the world as a, as a missionary in Iri and Jaya, sharing the gospel. Glyn's mum actually blessed all of the mission workers in Queensland by giving her home to uh, what is now Global Interaction in Queensland when she passed. And Glyn's family, along with him, have continued to serve here in this church. His son Graham and wife Heather serve up in our, uh, in our care centre now and served in many places over the years. Granddaughter uh, Melissa and husband Justin welcomed you on the way in this morning, welcoming everybody through our doors. And get this, his great-grandson is now 19 And Harris serves in our youth ministry and in our lighting and production team here on a Sunday. Generations being transformed, being blessed to be a blessing. How does that happen? Well, in 1938, Mrs. Flood and Mrs. Crook said, why don't you come to church? A whole bunch of people spoke into Glenn's life as a young man and transformed his life. This week, between here and Ormo, we got 470 kids and 250 leaders that are going to speak into the lives of these kids. What might happen? What might God do because someone has invited the family next door to come? 
What might happen as a 14-year-old leader steps out in faith and for the first time opens the Bible with a group of young people and points them to Jesus? What might happen for generations to come? You know, sometimes God does something gobsmackingly astonishing just by our simple steps of faith in obedience to Him. We can all be part of this church. This isn't just for a select few. He's just looking for people willing and available with faith in our hearts to say, God, I'm believing you can do what I've never seen before. Astonishing faith begins with humility before Jesus. Now, throughout the New Testament, it says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace and favour to the humble. He lifts up the humble. And this centurion with all power, wealth, and education, and connections, comes and humbles himself before a peasant walking down off a mountain. And he gets blessed. He sees God do something that no one's ever seen before because of his humility before Jesus. I just believe God's wanting to show his favour in your life, in your family, in your business, in your ministry. Whatever it is, it begins by just humbly coming before Jesus and these two words that I can't shake this year, just praying with a shameless audacity. Jesus says, that's how I want you to pray. I want you to pray with shameless audacity, just believing that I can do what you've never, ever seen before. Astonishing faith begins by simple humility before Jesus and astonishing faith continues by honouring Jesus above all. You know, the centurion believed that Jesus was so worthy of honour he didn't deserve to have him come into his house. But the Nazarenes who'd had Jesus hanging around for three decades, Jesus had been part of their community for 30 years. They're so familiar with Jesus that they're offended by his ministry and they did not honour him. They simply said, this is Joseph and Mary's boy, Judas and Simon's brother. They're offended. They did not honour him. And Jesus says a prophet is without honour in his hometown. And I just wonder if some of us today have just gotten too familiar with Jesus. Jesus is not your homeboy. Now Jesus is not just another good teacher. Now Jesus was a carpenter from Nazareth. He was Joseph and Mary's boy. He, he was Judas and Simon's brother. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus began to do what no one had ever done before. He actually spoke to the wind and the waves and they stopped. He put his fingers in people's eyes and they saw for the first time. He taught in a way that's changed the world for the last 2,000 years. And Jesus Christ, Joseph and Mary's boy, born of a virgin, performed miracles that nobody has ever seen before. People got so offended him by him that they nailed him to a cross. But it was God's plan all along. And on that cross, 
were heaped your sins and my sins, everything that once separated us from the Father, and they were put to death once and for all. You want to hear about a miracle? That is a miracle that if you've got faith in Jesus in this room, you've received that miracle already. If you have faith in Jesus, you believe in miracles because you believe that on that cross, he who knew no sin became sin for you so that you could become right with God. But his dead body was placed in a tomb and when the women went, went to, to anoint his dead body three days later, an angel is there and said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. The stone had been rolled away. Jesus is risen from the dead. He has been given all power and authority. And in heaven now and for all eternity, all of the angels and all of the living creatures, and we can join in with them and say, word is the Lamb who was slain to receive all glory and honour and praise forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I'm going to get the band to come on stage this morning. I want to encourage us never to get so familiar with Jesus that we lose our astonishment of who he is and what he can do. When I say familiar, I'm not talking about growing in intimacy and growing closer to Jesus. I'm talking about just getting used to having Jesus hanging around. Losing that just overwhelming astonishment at who he is and what he can do. Astonishing faith that begins by a simple humility before Jesus saying, I can't do it, Jesus, but I believe you can. And prayer is actually, you know, the greatest indicator. Our commitment to prayer is the greatest indicator of our humility before Jesus. Saying, Jesus, I need you to move in a way that I possibly can't. And Jesus says, I want you to do it. I want you to pray with shameless audacity. And if prayer is the greatest indicator of our humility before Jesus, then our worship here on a Sunday and our whole of life worship during the week is the greatest indicator of our honour of Jesus, that we put Him above all things, Lord of all. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the God of the miraculous today. And he will be for all of eternity. I believe there's miracles that God wants to pour out in this place. We stand together this morning. God, right now, would you fill our hearts with faith? God, we choose right now to humble ourselves before you and say, I need you. I'm desperate for you. I'm dependent upon you. Would you come and do what only you can do? God, fill our hearts with worship that we would honour you as Lord and King. Lord of all, worthy is the Lamb to receive all glory and honour and praise. We lift you up and honour you today, Jesus. 
We believe that you are the God who has power and authority over sin and over sickness. You're the God who can provide. You're the God who breaks through. You're the God who restores. You're the God who reconciles. God, would you perform miracles here today? We ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Our team are gonna sing for us. I'm gonna invite you, if you just say here, I'm, I'm wanting a miracle. I, I, I want God to move in my life, in my body, in my mind, in my family, in my workplace, in my ministry, whatever it might be, to say, I'm, God, I need a miracle. Desperate for you, dependent on you. I just love us to pray together as a church family for miracles today. Just while they sing this song, if you're just saying, that's me, I want a miracle, just come stand down the front. Then we're going to pause the song. I'm going to get people to gather around you and pray with you for a few minutes. We're going to all pray together as one big church family for a few moments and then finish just honouring Jesus in this place. So just when you're ready, just come. Say, hey, I'm ready for a miracle today. miss out. If you're here just to someone to pray for you and believe for a miracle today, can I just get us to spread out in one big line across the front? Just can we just say everyone just come move in, spread out one big line. I don't want anyone to miss out. I was going to encourage you this morning, just if you're here wanting to receive something from Jesus today, just, just open your hands where you are out the front. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite 
our prayer team, our pastoral team, and anybody who loves Jesus and loves somebody down the front to race out the front right now and stand with them. Just come. Anyone can come. I, I'm going to pray over everyone in a minute, but I, I, I want some. I want people just standing with people that you know. Come on, prayer team, pastoral team, just come and grab someone, stand with them. Come on, keep coming. I'm going to need some more people to come. If you love Jesus, just come. Find someone to stand with. Push your way through. Come through, Don. Come on. Push your way through here, guys. I want everyone, someone standing with someone. Don, Don, come around the front here, mate. Can I just get you to whisper to the person near you, just whatever you'd like to share about the miracle that you need. Just give them a little bit of information. They don't need the whole detail. It's a little bit of information. Okay, then just start to pray. Come on. Just start to pray. If you're standing with someone, just begin to pray. Begin to believe for God to move in power. He hears all of our prayers. Come on. If you're sitting or standing up in the rest of the congregation, just eyeball someone down the front. Begin to pray. If you're not sure who to pray for down here, just begin to pray for miracles in kids' takeover this week. Come on, let's just lift our voices together. Lift our voices together right across this church. We're called to be a house of prayer for all nations. If you're online this morning, just type in the chat. I want someone to pray for me. Just get someone praying for you. We're going to pray together as one big church family right now, believing for God to move in power. Come on, it helps sometimes just to close your eyes and just reach out a hand and you lift your voice and begin to pray. Of healing today. God, would you pour out your power? 
only you, Jesus. We believe that only you, Jesus, can make cancer disappear. God, I pray for marriages to be restored, for relationships with children to be reconciled. God, would you put what is broken back together? God, would you heal? God, would you make what is wrong? Would you bring justice and make it right? You're a God. You're able to take what the devil meant to harm and use it for good. God, I pray that you do that today in families. God, you do that today in marriages. What was what the devil intended for harm, God, you would use for good. God, you would build a testimony that would not just bless their family, but would bless families around them. God, we pray for prodigals to come home. God, I pray for miraculous provision in businesses. Come on, just lift your voices, church. Come on, just cry out to Jesus. Cry out with a shameless audacity. Come on, let's declare together. You turn graves into gardens, bones into armors. for one another. Come on, as God just puts a prayer in your heart. My, my, my belief today is that every single one of us in this room with faith in Jesus is gonna go home with someone else to intercede for, someone else to pray for, to see miracles poured out. And, and it might simply be God's just grabbed your heart to pray for the kids coming to Kids Takeover this week. Write it down, put it in your phone, do something. So you just remember to pray, to intercede, stand in the gap and say, God, move in power. There's others of you who've just prayed for someone or you've seen someone, or maybe you just need to go and talk to someone now and say, hey, God's just put you on my heart. How can I pray for you? We are called to be a house of prayer for all nations. Find someone to pray for today. Don't just pray, pray for them now by all means. But make a commitment this week to pray and to keep on praying, to stand in the gap. And then, then check back in and say, what did God do? Hear the testimony of faith. 
sometimes God will do exactly what you ask for. Sometimes when you intercede, what happens is God moves in power and does something that just blows your mind. That's not something you could have ever imagined. But He's heard the groan in your spirit and He's moved in power and He's done above and beyond what you could have ever imagined. But it's still, He's still responding to your faith. Even if you haven't named exactly what's happened, there's still a response to your faith. Remember when Jesus in Nazareth and the people had a lack of faith, He could not do many miracles there. It's our faith that He responds to. And we don't always know the words to pray for, but as we commit to pray, God moves. He responds to your faith. He pours out His grace. He lifts up the humble. He lifts up the humble. I'm going to be praying for you this week that God will just be lifting up the humble. Bless you. Keep praying. See you next Sunday. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.